All right, Next Level Leader Podcast. Today is our very first interview with an incredible leader going to be talking about love and resilience and how those two leadership traits can absolutely transform your leadership. We all want to get better, so today you're in for a treat. I'm going to be interviewing my friend, Jonathan Darling, an incredible leader right here in the Knoxville area where I'm at. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation, the interview between me and Jonathan Darling, and let's learn how to level up our leadership together. Let's go. Welcome to the Next Level Leader Podcast, where I want to help you escape average and lead at the next level. There's more in you, and it's time that you learn to lead at your full potential. So join me on this next level journey as we learn to escape average one day at a time. It's time to grow to the next level. The world is waiting. Today, I had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to interview one of my best friends in the world, Jonathan Darling. Not only is Jonathan a friend, he's an incredible leader. Uh, He's someone who I've learned a ton about love and leadership through someone that I've got to lead beside and lead with. And I can tell you, he is absolutely the real deal. So I'm so excited to have you on today, Jonathan. um, I hope that you guys will welcome Jonathan. And Jonathan, why don't you do this? Why don't you start us out by telling us a little bit more about you and about the the roles that you have right now as a leader. You're wearing a lot of different hats. You do a lot of different things. So tell us more about who you are as a leader and how you're leading right now. Yeah. So it's it's really cool to be here uh, for one, Jeff. Obviously, like, man, we've known each other for for quite some time now and, and served in many capacities together. Um, you know, we're not the, the most winningest football coaches together, <laughs> uh, but we enjoyed a lot of, a lot of that time, yeah. but um, no, you know, there, gosh, man, life sometimes just seems to be um, so incredible and give so incredible, so many incredible opportunities um, and, and one of the things that I always, I always try to talk about and I always try to help people see, and I, I think, um, I think I give a great example of this is that you don't have to be in a, in a position, a positional, uh, place to be a leader. You don't That's have right. to have a role to be a leader. Um, you can lead right where you are just by loving and caring for the people around you and helping be that catalyst of self-belief in their life, drawing out that that greatness, that unlimited potential that's been put inside of them. And so I've been given multiple opportunities to be able to lead outside of a positional leadership standpoint. And, you know, I do have a day job um, where I am now a national sales manager and I lead a team. But before I stepped into that positional leadership role, um, you know, obviously I I lead my family and, and, and lead them. But I've had opportunities to um, create um, events, to um, impact people's lives, to yeah. speak into people's lives, and and through, whether it's through podcasts, whether it's through posts on on social media, and and um, it's been a really cool, incredible journey. Yeah, man, absolutely. And uh, you have you made a difference because you've lived that out. Uh, you were leading a long time. I remember seeing you, watching you lead a long time before you had a position. You didn't wait for somebody to give you authority. 
You didn't wait for somebody to give you position. You were leading. You were making teams better. And, and you were walking as if you had authority. You were walking as if your job was to make the person you, you worked for to be the absolute best that you could make them. You did that and earned a lot of influence before you ever had authority. So when you say that, and as you're listening, as you hear Jonathan say that, that's a big deal because Jonathan is, he's not just saying it, he's a guy who lived it. He led for a long time without that authority and it ended up giving him more authority than, than, than he had ever had before because of the way he led when he didn't have that position. Now, Jonathan, you talked a minute ago uh, about our time as football coaches together. So if you're listening and you didn't know what that was about, <laughs> Jonathan and I got a chance to coach a peewee football team together, a 9U team this past year. And uh, to say we weren't good is an understatement. Uh, we pretty much lost every game. And uh, man, it, it was tough, Jonathan, but it was a lot of fun. Hey, we were in it together, brother. We were in it together. <laughs> I think I knew we were in trouble. I think I knew this was really not going well when we walked out on the field one week. We're getting ready for a game, and there's a kid that weighs more than you and more than me on a 9U team on the other side. I, I, I knew we weren't ready, but hey, man. We gave it our best. We had a good time, and I enjoyed the time getting to coach with you. It was fun. It was it was a lot of fun, man. And, and you know, it's fine. I, I ran into one of the dads the other day, and and we were talking, and he said, "Man, um, he said, you know, it might not have turned out. The season might not have turned out the exact way that we wanted it to." He was like, "But man, you guys loved on those kids." Wow. And and to me, that's that's the win, right? That's the ultimate yeah. victory. Like, yeah, we like to have W's in the, in the win column. We like to have those check marks, but to be able to have a dad, you know, whose son that he entrusted to us to, yeah. to lead and to coach say, man, you know, we might not have gotten all the W's we wanted, but man, you guys sure did love our kids. Wow, man. That's so good. That that's it. That's love and leadership. So speaking of love and leadership, that's your topic. Uh, Jonathan, you talk about a lot of different things. You teach on micro moments and a massive impact. You teach a ton of different leadership principles, but one that perhaps you teach the best, and I know that you live out the best, is love and leadership. And a lot of people struggle with the concepts of love and, and leadership. How does love fit with leadership? Is that a part of leadership or does it just get in the way? And, and man, like I said, you don't just teach it well, you live it out. So could you tell us today, how exactly does love fit together with leadership and, and how can loving as a leader actually make us better leaders? That's uh, a great question. It's, and obviously it's, it's my favorite topic to, to speak on and to talk about and to teach. Um, and look, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out here, Perry Nobles, man. Kudos to you because you wrote the book um, before before I was able to. Um, I, I had written an article about this using this example probably about three years before Perry Noble wrote his book. And when he wrote his book, I was like, "Dang it, Perry, you beat me to it!" But it's but it's an most excellent way to lead. Yeah, most excellent way to lead. So it's 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 awesome. Um, you know, I. I worked, I work in the business world and, and I had experienced pretty poor leadership. I had experienced leadership that was, that was very demeaning leadership that was very damaging 
um, leadership that did not bring out what was ultimately put inside of me, my gifts, my talents, and my skills that are uniquely mine. And I believe we were all created that way. And when I look at leadership, and, and even when I started writing, when I wrote that article, I had former leaders that, um, that I looked up to as mentors, people that I wanted my life to emulate in the business world. And they would make up fake email addresses and put that and, and write those things on horrible negative things on my articles that I would write. And these are people you worked for, your leaders. Those were leaders I had at the time. Yeah. And, wow. it, and it broke my heart. But it, what it did was that was really, you know, and we'll talk about resilience, you know, at that, at that point in time, it was, do I give this up and I, and do I stop because ultimately this is what's happening. It was breaking my heart or do I keep going, realizing, and, and what it was, was realizing that, man, this is not what leadership should look like. This is That's not right. what it should feel like, sound like. Yeah. Um, and so what is that? And so you know, I started doing a lot of research, started reading a lot of books, and, and something stuck out to me. Um, and, and it's out of 1 Corinthians. And it says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Um, it keeps no record of, of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. And when I read that, Jeff, it sparked in me. Yeah. What if we replace the word love with leadership? Wow. What, what does that sound like? And so, you know, going through it again, love is patient and kind. Well, leadership is patient and kind. Yeah. Leadership is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Leadership does not demand its own way. Um, leadership is not irritable. Leadership keeps no record of wrong. It mm. does not rejoice in injustice, but leadership rejoices when truth wins out. Yeah. Leadership never gives up. Leadership never loses faith. It Leadership is always hopeful and leadership endures through every circumstance. Mm. Come on, man. It's good. And if that, if we can replace the word love, the greatest definition of the action of love, not the feeling of love, Right. And I think that's where people get it confused. They look at love as this feeling. Absolutely. Take the feeling out of it. It is the action of love. And we replace that with leadership. And that and that can still ring true. Then then what's the question <laughs> in my mind? You know, and so that's what really was the catalyst in 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 really just going 100 percent all in headfirst into that that in order for you to be an, an incredibly effective leader, you have to love your people. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, absolutely, man. Wow. Powerful stuff. Um, love really does make a difference in leadership. It makes a difference in the way that that people see us. And as you're thinking about this, as you're listening, way too often the uh, the the leaders that we've experienced, we've experienced a lot of leaders who are the opposite of that, Jonathan. That that they led with pride, they led with rudeness, they they led. And it was all about them. But you're talking about uh, a loving leadership that is all about the people that we lead, and that's really what it should be. So you've talked about the basis of how you came to this idea of of loving and leadership. And man, that is crazy to think about when you first started trying to talk about love and leadership, that you had leaders who were leading you, making fake email addresses, trying to do all that stuff just to tear you down. 
but you stuck with it. It's made a difference and paid major dividends in your leadership. So, hey, let's talk about how does love, we've talked about love and leadership already, but how does love in leadership actually level up your leadership? What is it about infusing love into the way you lead your teams? What is it about that that levels up your leadership and helps you to have a bigger impact than you've had in the past? Yeah, so the way it levels up your leadership is one, it creates it creates a few things within your leadership sphere, okay? So okay. the first thing that it creates is it creates meaningful relationships. Love creates meaningful relationship. And when I say meaningful relationship, I'm not talking about that you guys are now just best friends. What I'm talking about in in meaningful relationships is you start to to learn and understand the needs of your people. Yeah. Right. It creates an opportunity for you to understand what it is, the dreams of your people, the fears that that your team has, Um, the the the, 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 the way that they want to be led, right? Like there's, there's the golden rule of, of treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, um, and I I can't remember which book it is, uh, which book it's from, but this is not my saying, but it's, and I'm looking for it over here, the code of trust, uh, written by, uh, Daniel Coyle, Robin, this guy, Robin Drake. Got it. Um, in the code of trust, um, he was a counter counter terrorist spy. And he said, what you've got to do is you've got to learn how to treat other people the way they want to be treated. Okay. Right. And you've got to learn how to lead people the way they want to be led because each individual person is going to be different. They need individual different things. They need to be served in different ways. And mm, so that's right. when you start loving your people and, and it gives you this opportunity to build these meaningful relationships with your people, you fully get an understanding of how you can walk alongside of them to lift them up and to draw out that unlimited potential that's inside of them. That's right. Ultimately, you know, and, and we think about this, we like, oh, love our people. And, you know, we want to create these relationships, but what about profit? What about making money? What about the bottom line performance KPIs? I'm telling you, you love your people and you learn how to draw the best out of them and you learn how to get the best out of them and to lift them up. The bottom line is going to increase. That's right. the KPIs are going to be there because people are, like you said, people are going to be willing to run through walls for people who love them. Alexander the Great is one of the greatest examples of of a loving leader as crazy as it sounds they were him and his army they were marching across the desert right going and and just conquering the world and and the entire the entire army was thirsty they had no water yeah and alexander the great sent riders out to go find water and they bring back water in a single helmet for alexander the great and he hands the helmet to they hand the helmet to alexander his entire army is watching him right? They're thirsty, they're dehydrated, they're tired, and they're watching their leader about to drink the only water that was brought back. Yeah. And Alexander the Great looks out at all of his people and he dumps the helmet of water out. And he said, if my men don't drink, I don't drink. Wow. Because he loved his people. He cared for his people. He learned how to serve his people. And I tell you what, like they, they went on to conquer a lot, but it was, but they, but they, he, they knew that he cared about them and he wasn't about to put himself above, above them. Right. And that, and that's the other thing that love does. Love puts you in a, in a position of being a servant to your people, right. To serve your people, to learn where you can walk alongside them. I tell my guys 
every Monday. I ask them a question every Monday when we talk. I'll do it later today. Hey, what are your priorities for the week? And what burdens can I take off of your plate this week? Because I want to be able to, to serve them, walk alongside of them. They are not serving my goals. They are not serving my needs. Yes, we have a team goal. Yes, I set a, a goal um, and KPIs for them to meet. But you know, uh, Bob Chapman says that management is the selfish ambition towards someone's personal goal, where leadership is loving and caring for people to make them feel valued and cared for, right? And so, That's right. you know, I don't, yes, we have goals and we have all these things, but it's my job as a leader to serve my people, to remove obstacles, to remove barriers, to move roadblocks, to help them where I can so that they can be their best. And it has nothing to do with me. And I, I really believe that's, when you when you approach leadership from a position of love, it, it creates those meaningful relationships mm. and it shows yeah. you where you can serve. Yeah, totally, man. Because when we serve our people, if you're serving the people who are doing the work for you, they're going to do better work. I, I think it was um, Sam Walton who said, it's the people on the front lines that know what's going on. If I want to know what's going on, like in Walmart, I want to know how to fix things. I need to ask the people who are at the bottom of the organization on the front lines because they know the answers. And man, I love what you're saying there because I really and truly believe that if as leaders, if more of us would ask our people on the front line, what do you see? What would you do? How would you fix it? They're going to have incredible answers. But if we don't know anything else as leaders, if we will love our people, if we will take care of our people, then they're going to take care of our customers. If our people, if our employees want to be where they're at, they want to be at work, then people are going to notice that and, and our customers are going to want to be where we're at. But if our people don't want to be at work, if they're, they're begrudging it because it's a bad experience, because they're just a number, because we don't care about them, then they're not going to want to be there and the customer is going to notice it. I really, I, I struggle with going into a store or a gas station or somewhere else and realizing that the person who is supposed to be serving me as a customer doesn't want to yeah. be there. Yeah. But the truth is, if we don't take care of our people, that's what they're going to act like. And then our customers aren't going to want to be there either. If we will serve the people who work for us, then they're going to take care of everything else. Are we going to do? We love them. They're going to take care of us in the bottom line. We leapfrog, right? We leapfrog. There, there's this, there, there has been this, this focus in business and in, in, in organizations creating an incredible customer experience. How do we create an incredible customer experience? How do we get our customers to be evangelical about our product, about our purpose as a company, all these things, right? We want our, we want our customers to love to buy products from us. Well, guess what? The number one, it because it has nothing to do with the product. The number one way to get your customers to have an evangelical experience, right? Where they go out and they tell other people. That's right. About your company is you create evangelical employees who go out and talk about how much they love working for their company, how much they love doing business with their company, how much they love going to work. Right. Because when you, right. you like you said, it's like it's like Reagan's trickle trickle down economics. Right. Love trickles down. Love, love wins always. And so when you love your people, they are going to go out and love their people and love their customers. Uh, 
Barry Waymiller and, and Simon Sinek talks about him a lot. I, I work in the the equipment manufacturing world. So Barry Waymiller is one of the like the coolest and, and amazing companies manufacturing packaging and equipment and all types of different things. But they they have a unique measure. They they to know how well they're loving their people, they measure the divorce rates of their people. Because what they say is when you when you when you make your people feel loved, cared for, and valued, they will leave their work and go home and make their families feel loved, cared for, and valued. They make their people in their community feel loved, cared for, and valued. And so if you are loving your people well, they're not going to go home frustrated. They're not going to go home in a bad mood. They're not going to go home feeling less than. Because when people feel that way, guess what happens? They don't show up right? They don't show up in the, as their best selves. And so they measure the divorce rate of their, of their people. And they're like a $20 billion company. Like they're huge. And I think that's incredible. Like, you know, and, and, and to them, that's how they know that they're loving their people. Well, is, is by, is how the health of the families of the people that work. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it goes back to, if we care for our people, the people that we lead, they're going to care about the bottom line. Everything else is going to get better if we care for our people better. And like one of the things I'm running into a lot now, and I don't know if you've thought about this at all, but one of the big HR metrics that a lot of companies are looking at is who has stayed at least five years, who in my company, what percentage of my workforce has stayed at least five years. But one of the things I'm looking at even more is I'm starting to ask the question with companies that I'm working with, what percentage of your employees are in their three to five year mark? What percentage of your employees are in that three to five year mark and then make it past it? Because what I'm noticing, John, is a whole lot of people who in that three to five year mark, they're either leaving because they're disgruntled or they're getting told, hey, you need to leave because you're not good enough. And Unfortunately, I'm seeing a ton of companies where that's happening. And as leaders, we have to ask this question. If most of my people, if a high percentage of my people are leaving in between years three and five, then at some point, it's not on them anymore. It's not that they're not good enough. It's not that they can't do it. At some point, we have to look at ourselves and say, I hired these people. I'm a part of this. These are my hiring processes. And if a good majority, if, if over 20%, even of the people who are at my company in between years three and five aren't making it, then that's on me. And then that's when they have to come to me and say, Hey, can you help us with our hiring processes or help us how to figure well, this I, out? Because like, it's, it, it's, it's on us. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, and I'll, I'll even challenge you on that. The reason why they, why they will need to hire you, Jeff, is not because of their hiring process. It's because they're probably pretty poor leaders. If your people are leaving after five years and, and the idea is, that they're not good enough or they they're not meeting up. Right. Or they don't feel they, they were sold a bag of, they weren't sold a bag of goods. Right. They were sold a bag of crap coming yeah. to work for your company. Yeah. That has, that, that has nothing to do with the hiring process. It has everything to do with the leader. If your people aren't developing and growing and becoming better and, and hitting metrics, then what are you doing as a leader that is not help walking alongside of them to get there? You could be hiring incredible talent, but the problem is you just might not know how to develop talent or draw out their unique gifts, talents, and skills. And the other thing is, is if, if people are leaving, if people are leaving your company, then you really need to take a really hard look at, and, and I think that's a unique, that's a, that's a really cool metric 
Um, I, I wrote a post on LinkedIn yesterday that 63% of, uh, of all millennials believe that an organization uh, should be about creating societal change, right? The number one priority of a company should be creating societal change, not just, not just earning profit. And, and I had a lot of people argue that point with me. But, but here's the thing is, we spend so much time within our organizations. Um, and if all you care about is money, and all you care about is profit and the bottom line, your people will know it. The millennial generation is known That's as right. the change generation. They want to be a part of a greater purpose, a greater mission in life. They want to see the world become a better place. And they're not going to stay at a company where one, they don't feel cared for, where two, they don't feel connected to a purpose, yeah. right? That they can, and it, and here's the thing, your purpose is not your product. It's not your product. And we need to, we, we make incredible products. Who cares? Everybody makes incredible products. What is your purpose, yeah. right? And how do you connect to that? So good, man. So we've talked a ton, John, about love and leadership. But one other thing I wanted to ask you about was really resilience. You're one of the more resilient leaders that I know you've been through a ton. But man, when you face hard circumstances, it never makes you stop. It actually fuels you. It's like it makes you go harder, makes you go farther. So tell me a little bit about what is it that makes you so resilient as a leader and and how have you grown that resilience how can we as leaders grow that resilience in our own leadership and what kind of an impact is it going to make to step into not only love but resilience as a leader because sometimes when we love the people that we lead it's actually going to it's going to come back and bite us sometimes when we love them and care for them well they're not going to they're not going to take that they're not going to receive that they may even stab us in the back we may feel like you know hey things didn't work out well because we did that so not only love and leadership, but how do we cultivate resilience and how does resilience go together and fit with love and leadership? Gosh, man, I think, you know, again, I'll go back to first Corinthians and it says, uh, it says love always endures, right? Like it always perseveres. Well, in order to persevere, it means you can't quit. In order to persevere, you have to keep going. It, you have, you can't ever give up. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln has a quote that says, uh, I am not concerned that you have fallen. I am concerned that you arise. And, and we come and we live in a society, Jeff, where we're, we're absolutely terrified of failure. We're terrified of failure because we believe failure is finite and we believe it's fatal. So it keeps us, yeah. right? Because, and, and that's because of judgment from other people, right? That's because of the judgment and it's a fear of losing love. Okay, so let's just throw that out there. The, the fear of failure is really a fear of losing love, of people just dis, being disappointed in you and no longer loving you or no longer thinking you're good enough or value. And I just got to tell you, like, like, in order to be an incredible leader, you have to show up again and again and again, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it is, no matter whether or not people want to be loved by you or not, love never gives up. And so you keep showing up like we we had this marriage conference this weekend and, and I had Pastor Tommy, Tommy Hunter and his wife, Michelle, out from San Diego, California. We, we did this marriage event, this relational event, and they kept and they talk about being loved. And they said, you have to be first, go first, and then go again and go again. See, love is not transactional. And if we, we look at things in society as a transactional society, 
where it, we do something and we expect something in return. Love is not a currency. It's not a transactional experience. It's something that you give again and again and again and again, regardless of what you get back in return. And, uh, and I'm telling you, man, I, I've been, you know, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it says I'm a 14 time TEDx reject. Um, I grew up, my, my parents got divorced. My, my, my family was poor. I had a job since I was 12, uh, helping pay bills and buy groceries. And, and we, we would have to turn on our oven and stand in front of the oven to stay warm. I'm the first darling to go to college. And I don't say all this stuff of saying, Oh, look where I've come from. But, but I'm telling you, like, I would not be where I am today being able to hopefully impact people's lives if I would have just quit. And so, so to me, resilience is one of those things, man, it's, yeah. it's, it's who we were, we were, we were created for greatness and greatness only comes when you don't quit. That's right, man. You're not allowed to quit. You're not allowed to quit. Some days, those of you that are listening, some days you just need to hear that. You need to hear it from me. You need to hear it from Jonathan. You need to hear it from somebody around you. You're not allowed to quit because there's greatness in you. It is going to get better. Man, I love that. And and John, really and truly, you are one of the most resilient people that I know. And man, you have just, uh, you've accomplished a lot. You've accomplished uh, more than than you probably ever would have dreamed but so much of that has come on the other side of struggle and the other side of having to remind yourself of that. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. So, dude, I'm so proud of you, and uh, I hope that's a lesson we can all take. We're not allowed to quit because if we don't quit, if we keep pushing, there's always something better on the other side. Man, I love that so much. But, hey, before we get off today, because I know we're running out of time, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about one where can our listeners find you online? Where they, can they connect with you and get more of the material and the encouragement that you're putting out because you're putting it out on the daily? And then also, uh, for those that don't know, Jonathan leads a, an, an organization called Impact Leadership. And Impact Leadership is putting on a leadership conference on March 5th uh, called Impact Knoxville. Jonathan, you are leading that. It's coming soon. I know you've got... Tickets available here in Knoxville for those who are in the Knoxville area or anywhere close. But if you're not, I know there are also virtual options. So, Jonathan, why don't you tell everybody about how they can connect with you, but even more so, tell us about how we can get involved with Impact Knoxville. It's coming up soon. Yeah, so Impact Knoxville exists to inspire and engage leaders of every age and position and profession to make a massive impact in their teams, companies, and communities. And after being turned down for 14 TEDx's, um, I said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for TED. I'm going to go first and I'm going to create my own because I believe in the power of leadership. And so Impact Knoxville, all of the ticket proceeds are going to um, a, a nonprofit. We donate everything to a nonprofit. This year, it's Street Hope and their fight against um, human sex trafficking. And uh, right here in Knoxville, which is one of the fastest growing crimes in Tennessee, with Knoxville being one of the highest affected cities. And, um, you know, they bring a lot of education and awareness uh, to our local schools for minors, for Internet safety. And so we've got an incredible event. This is year number two. So we went a little bit bigger. We're going a little bit more bolder. Um, and we've got nine incredible speakers. We've got a women in business and leadership panel. And so you could go to www.impactknoxville.com 
and learn more about the event. As Jeff said, we we believe the in-person event is is key and it's pivotal. Um, we are following CDC safety guidelines. The chairs are going to be social distant, um, requiring masks, temperature checks, all those things. So it's going to be a safe event for you. But we also have virtual options. And I'm just going to be very transparent, right, because leaders are. Um, a virtual option might not be the greatest because we've never done a virtual event before. We don't have a huge budget for the event. And so it's going to be a live stream on Zoom. And we're going to try to make the best that we can so you get as much value out of that. Yeah. Um, but we believe the true value is going to come from being in person, getting to hear all nine of these incredible speakers who are from Knoxville in person. And uh, we're we're pumped for the event. Seats are limited. So, um, you know, we're, we're running out of tickets. So get there. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love it. Uh, I can't wait for Impact Knoxville. And hey, for those of you that are listening, I'm going to be there. So if you're anywhere close to the Knoxville area, I would love to be able to meet you if we haven't met already. Uh, but also, I'm going to be giving away some free gifts, free tools from the Next Level Leader to everybody there, as well as doing a book signing. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be giving away over $100 worth of resources. So here's the deal. If you can come to the event, if you're close to Knoxville, or if you just go to the virtual event and you say, hey, I, I'm not sure it's the first year doing it, should I go? I want you to go, and I promise you this. I'm going to give you back more value than you put in to your ticket. And that doesn't count the above and beyond value that's going to be coming from those non-speakers. It's going to be way better than even what I give you. So I promise you are going to leave Impact Knoxville with more value, way more value, probably 10 times the value than you put in it. So go ahead, go to impactknoxville.com, grab your ticket, whether it's in-person or virtual, and I hope to be able to connect with you there. Hey, Jonathan, thanks so much, man, for joining us today. This was an incredible conversation. Um, I'm super grateful for you, for everything that uh, that you're doing, the impact that you're making in the community of Knoxville and much farther beyond. Hey, and also let us know, let listeners know where they can follow you offline. We left that out. So let them know where they can connect with you outside of this podcast. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at uh, the Jonathan Darling. Um, I'm obviously on Facebook and then LinkedIn, Jonathan Darling, just look for the love equals leadership tag. And, um, that's me, big bald head, beautiful bald man, uh, as my wife would say. And so, yeah, follow me there guys. Um, and you can also, uh, get a hold of me through our website at www.impactnoxville.com. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jonathan Darling. What an incredible dude. I know I've learned a lot. I hope you have as well. This is just the beginning though. We're going to be having a lot more interviews on the podcast. Some of them are going to be like they have before, but we're going to be adding more interviews and something special for March. My brand new book is about to come out next level leader. It releases on March 2nd and uh, for the whole month of March, I'm actually going to be turning the mic back around and I'm going to be having people who know me, people who I've led with, people who have led me, and people who have, I've, I've led. They're going to be turning the mic around. They're going to be taking on the, the role of host, and they're going to be asking me questions. They're going to be interviewing me about the book, about the next level leader, and about how to level up our leadership. So I'm looking forward to those conversations. 
I have no idea the questions that are going to be asked, so I'll be as surprised as you are. Um, so those are going to be great every single week in March, and we may even extend it into April. So go ahead, if you haven't subscribed already, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Those are coming soon. All the show notes from my conversation with John Darling, as far as how you can connect with him, it's in the show description and in the show notes at jeffcochran.online. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. I'll see you again in episode 10 as Paul Moody, one of my friends, a chef, a business owner, he's going to be turning around the mic on me first to interview me and to ask questions about the next level leader, to ask questions about life, leadership. It's going to be a fun conversation. I'll see you in episode 10. And until then, remember, you don't have to stay stuck at average. We can go to the next level one step at a time. We're going to do it together. I'll see you in episode 10.